Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer. I'm the dream business coach, and I have another fantastic interview for you today. Toby Mathis is an attorney on a mission to help investors and business owners keep more and grow more. He's a founding partner of Anderson Law Group. Toby helped Anderson grow its practice from one from one of business and estate planning to a thriving tax practice and registered agent service with tens of thousands of clients nationwide. In addition to advising clients and investing in his own real estate projects throughout the United States, Toby's a member of Forbes Real Estate and Finance Council and author of several books, including first, second, and third editions of Tax-Wise Business Ownership and 12 Steps to Running a Successful Business, Toby teaches extensively throughout the U.S. to groups of investors and professionals with many of his courses certified for continuing education credit for legal, accounting, and real estate professionals. That's very cool. He teaches a popular bi-weekly webinar entitled Tax Tuesday, where business owners and investors can ask any tax question. It is just Toby and a CPA who answer and turn the recordings into podcasts. Toby, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Jim. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So, man, keeping more of what you earn, growing faster, who doesn't want that when you're, a, when you're an entrepreneur, right? You know, that's the big one. It's not what you make, it's what you get to keep. And uh, a lot of people learn that one the hard way when they get that first, you know, six-figure tax bill. They think they made a lot of money and they're feeling pretty good and then they have to pay the silent partner. Yeah, I have this expression. I say, gross is for vanity, net is for sanity. Gross is like, hey, man, I got to... <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, gross gives you your bragging rights, but then again, if you have a seven-figure business and you got nine hundred eighty thousand expenses, you only made twenty grand, right? Yeah, we're gonna lose on every unit, but we'll make it up in volume, right? That's uh, <laughs> yeah. I've heard that before. <laughs> Toby, what's your entrepreneurial uh, background? You uh, fathers, uncles, moms, anybody in, or are you like a first-generation uh, entrepreneur? Well, it's it, it's interesting. So my dad worked for Boeing for thirty-some odd years, and. Uh, while he was there, he just said, don't ever come to Boeing. So he actually would farm me out to all of his buddies uh, to work with their businesses. So I was, I was really lucky that uh, my dad, who was a corporate guy, uh, decided not to have me go into the corporate world and actually dissuaded me from going. So I worked with a guy that started up uh, the first Minute Lube in, C- in uh, Washington, actually out on Ambaum Avenue or uh, Auburn Avenue, out in Auburn. And... Uh, Ended up huge success. They're now Quaker, Quaker State, I believe, but it used to be the Minute Lube Minuteman, trained to lubricate and do it right. I just remember yeah. the jingle, but um, so he did that. And then uh, uh, Subway franchises and, and uh, was just around a lot of those folks. And uh, again, my dad was just, he said, just don't do what I'm doing. Please do your own thing. You're going to be far better off. And I was lucky for it. Um, when I was in high school, I was lucky enough to find a, a very good friend whose father was an entrepreneur. He ran a liquidation company. And I could tell you stories all day long about crazy liquidation. We, we, we liquidated Pay Impact when they were on the West Coast, did Eagle Hardware, 
uh, did a lot with uh, some of the larger hardware stores. And I can tell you, it's pretty funny when they need room. We were the guys they would call up and, you know, you just make stuff disappear. Uh, also working with uh, the government. A lot of times when you're doing government auctions, you don't realize, but it's, it's guys with trucks that can, that can actually move the stuff away that get to buy it. And uh, we would buy and sell stuff all over the world. So it was, it was awesome. So you got a, you got a really diversified training. I mean, from the, from the early ages. I, I think it's uh you, you learn by doing. And if, if, and if you don't, you know, t- dovetailing it into, into lawyering and, and into being in, into the tax, if you haven't done it, you really shouldn't be telling somebody how to do it. Exactly. Um, and oh, so I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a doer. So I'm a believer in that. So, yeah, I mean, nothing, I mean, nothing fries my can more than these sometimes kids and sometimes old people saying, yeah, I teach you how to have a six or seven figure business. And they haven't done it yet for themselves. I mean, that just drives me. I And I'm telling you what, in the, in the realm of real estate, same thing as they're telling you how to get rich in real estate. And I'm like, well, how much do you own? And, oh, I've, I've, I've got a few doors, you know, I've got, I've got 10 doors. <laughs> I'm like, that's not much. Come on. Yeah. It's like, you know, you need to really feel the pain of a, of a downturn. You need to go through it. Like here we have over 250 employees. How do you know how to advise somebody about scaling up a business if you don't understand the day-to-day babysitting that takes place in a business? It's like you have no, you know, you, you really shouldn't be advising somebody at that point or you're, you're advising somebody out of ignorance. You've read it in a book and, you've, and, and you think that's what is actually true. But I th- I'm sure you can appreciate this being on the water so much. There's just always something that's coming at you and it could be, um, fuel line issue. It could be the, the weather. It could be another vessel that doesn't know the rules and, or heck I had a, I, I used to, I told you, I used to live on a boat too. And we had a, a, some, some, somebody that was on the boat, they let their kid run around and they, the kid, while I'm underway in a Marina, in a regatta, and they start turning the wheel downstairs, oh. uh, in the main cabin. And I'm like, you know, like trying to steer with the uh, with the I had twin screws luckily so I was able to to keep myself straight but I'm like get that kid off the wheel that's not a toy yeah they're like gonna jam us into a million dollar yacht so like there's always little things that come up and unless you've done it you again you can't tell somebody how to uh, how to you know what what to expect you have to kind of do it so you're an attorney on a mission as I read to help investors and business owners keep more and grow more so let's talk about the grow more. I mean, who do you, who do you work with? Like, what's the, give me a, a you know, I, you know, so our firm and, and me personally, I love entrepreneurs. I love nonprofits. Like, I think a lot of folks always think of a nonprofit as something that doesn't make money. No, 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 no. Some of the largest organizations out there are nonprofits. I love that field because they don't have to pay tax and it makes growing a lot easier, but it, it you know, but I work a lot with real estate investors. Like, like that's probably our bread and butter is uh, me personally, my, my, my partner and I in this firm, we own over 120 single families. We have commercial buildings. We have warehouse space. We've always been strong real estate investors, and, I, and I'm a true believer in that. But in order to get the real estate, you got to have an engine that's generating the cash, and that's, there's nothing better than running a small business. Uh, when I talk about the growth, and I, we've had companies that uh, have gone from zero to 100 million in a few years that's always nice. There's definitely a huge difference in the mentality between going to a million, a million to 10 million, and then 10 million and above is a complete different mindset. And it brings on a a lot of different issues. 
but I, but I actually love that process of watching people grow. And, and there's definitely, um, there's things to consider that a lot of, a lot of attorneys and accountants just don't, you know, for example, the, the, Hey, let's pay zero in tax. That sounds good unless you're trying to get financing. And if a client's trying to grow, I need to make sure they look correct to angel investors or to banks or to anybody that they may be needing to get resources from so they can lever up. Right. Unless they're planning on going all cash, in which case then, yeah, we can knock you down to, you know, we can go to, for, the, for the zero. But there's so many people that will do their tax planning and then they're trying to explain to their banker, well, actually, I made a lot more than that. I'm just showing you on, the, on my tax return, it says I made 50,000, but I really made 150. Uh, and they, they, you know, the banker's looking at you going, what are you, a tax cheat? Or you're, you know, now I can't rely on anything you tell me. Yeah. Um, and, they, and they really hose themselves, uh, it's a legal term. The, uh, like that when you're in selling too, I mean, you know, as a small business owner, your, ob your kind of obligation is to keep your profit as low as possible, therefore reducing your tax burden. Yet when you want to sell a business, you know, people are looking for how much profit the business makes. So. Absolutely. And that's the whole thing. If, if a client tells me I want to exit in five years, then I'm going to say, well, then we're in our strong growth rate. Let's pay as little as humanly possible. Or do we need the help of an angel or do we need the help of a bank? And depending on the answer, we're going to make it look the way they want it to look. That's what we're going to shoot for. And if you go out there and you show an angel, oh, you know, we're not really going to make any money. Look at us. You know, we're going to write everything off. The angel's going to look at you and say, well, then why would I want to be involved? You're going to hurt my multiple. Yeah. If, you're, if you're going to a bank, it's the same thing. They're going to look at you like, well, why the heck would I loan you money? It looks like you're really good at losing it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like, it's logic. But I tell you what, these accountants screw up their clients all the time. Yeah. And attorneys are even worse. They're deal breakers. They'll make you, oh, we'll protect all your assets. Uh -huh. Well, you know, why would I want to invest in a business if all of the assets are separated out of the business? So you have to, you, you have to be careful. And it requires that, that third leg is the business planning leg. I just see that really lacking in the professional world is that these guys really don't quite get it. But then again, they've learned out of a book. Yeah. Toby, let's talk about the other, the other side of that, which is keeping more. What are some of the top loopholes that you find uh, people generally miss and, and how do you advise them? Well, so I look at it that there's two tax systems and the tax system, there's, it's really one for the, for the informed and uninformed, um, the, or you want to call it rich and the poor. Uh, if you just go along with kind of what popular wisdom says, you're usually going to pay significantly more. If you want to actually keep more of what you're making, then there are incentives written into the tax code, but you have to go get them. So for example, real estate's a fantastic loophole. There's ways to actually own real estate, not pay tax on it. There's ways to own real estate and generate significant losses, but you have to meet a few tests. And it's not the, it's not the typical, hey, I'm going to write off this commercial building over 39 years. That's not going to get you there. You have to understand that there are other rules for those who want to accelerate that depreciation and actually break off and maybe take uh, you know, 20% of that building right now, there's ways to do it. And they just, they're just not aware. And so you have to kind of deal with somebody who's aware and it's really tough out there. There's a lot of folks that say they know the tax code. It's too huge. There's too many changes. It's not knowing the entire tax code. It's knowing the right provisions that will save me the most money that I can use without putting myself at risk of audit 
and without sub subjecting myself to increased scrutiny. And it's, it gets to be a very small tax code when you start using that as your sieve and saying, hey, I'm only going to look at provisions that are you know, tried and true, they're black letter, and oh, by the way, here's the, here's the requirements for taking it. Oh, I can do that. Fantastic. It's going to save you an extra $200,000 this year. That type of stuff. Wow. So you mentioned you like working with entrepreneurs. What about somebody who's just starting out? What's, what's a good solid piece of advice that you'd share with somebody who's, who's just getting into business? Yeah, I would say that uh, take what people are telling you and assume that it's incorrect. <laughs> yeah. and, then go, and then go find somebody who's done it and listen to them. So I get, if there was one thing I would say, you do need a good team. You need, you need a good account. You need a good attorney. But you want one that's actually an entrepreneur. That's not someone who's just going to tell you all the stuff you're doing wrong, but it's going to tell you, here's the things that you need to do. About 70% of the businesses out there are set up incorrectly. And I use that figure because that's actually what the IRS data tells us. They're putting themselves at an increased audit rate. They're paying more in tax and they lose their audits at 95% clip. In other words, quite literally, if I'm comparing startup number one with startup number two, Startup number one gets audited 700% more often, loses those audits 95% of the time, and pays about an extra 10% on, uh, 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 on their taxes. I shouldn't say 10%, but 10% of their revenue. Okay. So it's not even a 10% more. It's a literally 10% of their, of their gross figure. Yet 70% of those folks are using option one as opposed to option two, where they would save and reduce risk. And that's IRS stats. Like I could back that up just by going to the IRS data book and saying, look, this is the actual numbers. Can't you see what these guys are doing? And I'm just telling you that the vast majority of accountants and, uh, and lawyers out there put them squarely in that 70% of doing it incorrectly. Because of what were the, they um, sole proprietors instead of an LLC or an S corp? Is that uh, sole proprietor versus an S corp is probably the biggest culprit or a C-Corp. C-Corp can be a fantastic tool depending on what your needs are from a medical dental standpoint, whether you have employees or not. But the, the, the S-Corp versus sole proprietor is probably the worst offender because you, you can actually do an accountable plan in an S-Corp and you can't do it in a sole proprietor if you're the proprietor, and which means my business can start giving me tax-free money that's not reported anywhere. And if I'm the sole proprietor, I cannot do that. So you almost, again, for the small guys, somebody who's making 50, 60, 70,000, the average extra money in that particular case, I actually just ran the numbers on a $50,000 is about $4,000 a year. So it's close to a 10% boost uh, just because I changed my tax designation. You could be an LLC taxed as an S corp, or you could be an LLC disregarded in taxes as a sole proprietor. It's up to you. Everybody thinks, well, they're more expensive. No, they're not. The, the tax form is actually, if you compare a Schedule C to an 1120S, the Schedule C is far more complex. And it, you're paying an accountant's time. They're just charging you for an extra return is what they're doing. And, you know, I, I would fire that guy pretty quick. I would say, hey, I want, I want someone who's actually going to look at my business as a, as a whole, me and my business. Tell me what it's going to be per year and, uh, and handle it that way. Uh, but again, we tend to follow what the professionals say and the professionals oftentimes do what's easiest for the professional and not what's in the best interest of the client. So you work also, I guess, with asset protection, right? Yeah, that, it, it goes hand in hand. Okay. Keep it away from those that are trying to take it. 
keep as much in your pocket and then make sure that you're passing it on in a, in a way that's not going to cause strife for your family. Um, we, you try to hit all three. And if you hit the trifecta, then you, you know, you, you get to be a big winner and you get to avoid going to court, you know? So that's always the, that's always the goal is don't get molested by third parties. I don't need judges. I don't need IRS auditors. I don't need angry, uh, you know, spouses, ex-spouses, all these things out there that could cause problems. I want to, you know, smooth sailing, so to speak. Yeah. You know, a lot of business owners there, they hope that they're able to pass the business on to their kids, you know, or partner, yeah. something like that. Is that, that's something that should be kind of written into the corporate papers too, right? Yeah. So there's really two ways to look at it. If you have partners, you need to have a buy-sell agreement that says, hey, um, if something happens to me, do I want my partners to have to deal with my spouse and children? In other words, they want to be partners. And in my case, I'm an attorney. My, my spouse is not. She could not step in and become a partner. So we have to, we deal with that ahead of time by having a buy-sell agreement. Hey, uh, you know, I'll buy insurance and, my, and the insurance money goes to my spouse my partners get my interest back in the business. It keeps going on. So that there's, there's that side. And then there's the side, Hey, I want it to go to my kids or I want it to stay in my family. Then I don't want to have to go and probate it. And I don't want my business to die with me. And if I'm a sole proprietor, unfortunately, uh, it's going to die with me because I am the business. I need to create separation. So I need to go through that little bit of uh, paperwork to make sure that a my business is separate from me and has a separate identity and it's not like it can operate without me being there, and b I don't want to have to go to probate. Probate will eat your estate up. It'll eat your business up. It'll absolutely bring it to its knees, and you can avoid that very easily. A simple trust document would suffice, and avoids having to go to court if something happens. And you know, realistically, we don't just die. Usually, we deteriorate along the way. Usually, you're going to have someone who's going to transition during their lifetime. Uh, maybe they have uh, dementia or they just get old and they're not able to run their business. You don't want to wait until there's actually a forced sale or a forced situation to address these. You want to be dealing with it way out ahead of time. Do you get into, because um, I work with a lot of online entrepreneurs and I kind of mentioned asset protection. I understood where you went there. Do you work with proprietary uh, protection or is that? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. So a lot of it, like Jim, a lot of times you're just saying, Hey, what's the asset again? Am, am I growing my business? Am I going to bring in investors? In which case I might have intellectual property held in a main company or am I not? And if I'm not, maybe I should separate out my intellectual property or I'm going to bring in investors only in the intellectual property side. And I'm going to run my business with an exclusive license. And I don't want my, the investors to be involved in the business. I just want to give them a piece of any royalties. All of that requires someone who actually knows what those things are, how they relate, how they're separate and how they're valued differently. Uh, because the, I'm telling you, like, again, I see this stuff day in and day out. Everybody just throws it in one basket and they have one misstep and the whole thing's at risk. So I do like to separate out assets the same way you do in real estate. You don't want to have two rentals sitting in an LLC. Rental one has a slip and fall. They're taking rental two along with it. If you have two LLCs, they don't take, you know, they're going to be stuck in the one LLC. They're going to slip and fall in property one. The, the most you're going to lose is property one. 
Oh, I see. So if you have multiple um, real estate holdings, each each property you're saying should be a separate LLC. Generally speaking, that's going to be best practice. There are exceptions to that rule, depending on if you have no equity in it, then there's nothing to take. So if I have five properties that are financed to the hilt, I may stick them in a single LLC. I may be required to if I'm doing a blanket loan, but then there's nothing for them to take. What's the worst thing, and I've actually seen this happen, it was a, a gal in her 70s. She had a liability occurrence on one property of 15, and she lost all 15 pieces of property. So when somebody says, oh, that never happens, there's insurance, it happens all the time. It's, it's not a huge percentage, but it does happen significantly. It's a large number. And the whole idea is you want to be able to cut the loss. It's kind of like getting gangrene. Sounds gross. But you get it in your hand. You want to be able to just say, I'm, I'm willing to lose my left arm, right? But I'm not going to die from it. Right. So in real estate, it's the same thing. You're divvying up your assets to say, what's the most I'm willing to lose? If I have two pieces of property that I own outright and they're worth half a million dollars each, A, that's not a really good idea. I probably don't, I want to isolate those from me isolate the properties from each other. And I probably want to suck some of that equity out and maybe have a, a you know, a, a friendly lien from a third party entity uh, or a third entity that's sitting out there that, that I know my total risk on that property is it's not 500,000. Maybe I'm going to get it down to about a hundred thousand. And that allows me to settle suits if they happen. And I'm just, we have, uh, when I say tens of thousands, we have over 30,000 clients. We have almost no audits and the lawsuits get settled very quickly just because we know how much we can stand to lose and how much is totally at risk. And uh, it allows you to, if a lawsuit does come along, you know what their win is, they know what their win is, and it's not unfettered. In other words, there's a cap on it. And so they're much more likely to negotiate something smaller when they know the most they could win is a foreclosure on a $500,000 house with 100,000 in equity. They may take home $20,000 when it's all said and done if they're lucky. So it enables you to say, basically, look, if you want to litigate this thing, we can litigate it. But in all reality, you win, you foreclose after you pay the sheriff and the lawyers and everything else, there's really nothing there for you. How about I just give you a little bit now and your insurance will usually cover that. Wow. Hey, uh, real quick before we go, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big marketer. I teach marketing, things like that. So I'm curious, you do a, a, tw a biweekly webinar. Um, can, yes. From a marketing standpoint, that I'm, I'm sure you, it's good for you if that if you keep doing it. Is that do you so do prospects come in or people that you don't need kind of like a cold calling? It's almost like a radio show, and and then yeah, no, it, it's it's Tax Tuesday, and get this, we answer any tax question on the air. Wow. Uh, you can email them in. It's actually uh, I I can give you guys the information, or I can give you it so you can post it. Sure. But they can ask any question. There's no charge for it, and we just answer tax questions for basically it's supposed to be an hour, but they're always an hour and a half, two hours. And uh, it's literally just business owners asking a ton of tax questions. We usually answer about uh, 200 questions in a session. There's usually a thousand people on. Uh, so, you know, I like doing it because I believe that you give back and, you know, and the, and the world will magically take care of you. So I, I, I've been doing that for a long time and I love giving out the information. Again, it's free. So if you want to just, ask questions. Yeah, we have accountants on there too. They're, they're sneaky. But uh, I'm like, hey, great. Ask a good question. It's fair game. And, and somebody is going to benefit from the answer. So it doesn't have to be me. 
Yeah, I love that. Hey, that's awesome. So why don't you tell people uh, what the website is, how to connect with you, and then also where can they uh, tune into the Tax Tuesday webinar? Yeah, so if you go to Anderson Advisors, and again, I'll give you the, the link so you can, you can shoot it out. It's just Anderson with an O, advisors.com. Uh, that will get you to our regular website, and you can always, uh, there's ways to sign up off of there, or you just go forward slash and Tax Tuesday. That's the easiest. Just remember Tax Tuesday. But if you get onto our site, you, it's hard to miss it, and uh, it's free. Uh, you, you'll, if you just type in Tax Tuesday and Toby Mathis, you'll probably find a bunch of stuff out there. We record them, and then we break them off into pieces. Uh, usually, I answer about 20 questions that were emailed in. And uh, they can do that tax Tuesday at AndersonAdvisors.com. So it's an email. You just tax Tuesday at Anderson Advisors and ask whatever question you have. And as long as it's a, a short, simple question, I'm just going to answer it. Toby, that's awesome, man. Every, twice a month and you get like 20 questions at least. I mean, that's a big audience. Oh, it's, yeah, we, it, it, it's a blast. Like the people that do them, they just chuckle because it's stuff that you never thought about. If somebody's asking, hey, how do I write off? You know, I mean, hey, I have a, my my car, I, I, I want to be able to write it off. What's the best way? Or, you know, I, there's all sorts of stuff. Qualified opportunity zones are huge right now. Uh, the hundred percent bonus depreciation. How do I write off certain expenses? Hey, if I want my kids to work for my business so I can get some tax benefit there, how do I do that? There's all these little questions all the time. Things about IRAs, 401ks, everything's, you know, there's nothing that's off limits. We try to answer it right there and we don't pull punches. I just answer it. I'm not going to say, well, it depends and you need to call my office and, you know, sign up. No, it's just, if we can answer it, we're going to answer it right there. And I might give you, well, if this is your scenario, then this, if this is your scenario, then this, but I'm going to answer the question. I'm not going to play hide the ball. It sounds great. Toby, thanks so much, man. I greatly appreciate it. It's a fun interview. Hey, it was a lot of fun, Jim. And, uh, you know, again, I, I really appreciate the time and I hope all your guys really go out there and kick butt. At the end of the day, if you're an entrepreneur, you deserve success. Okay. All right. Hey, that, that concludes, there is tongue-tied here at the end of the day. That concludes this interview with Toby Mathis. Check him out at andersonadvisors.com. Um, I got to zip out of here. I got another one coming, so I'm going to forget all my commercials. You can connect with me on Facebook or getjimpalmer.com. Until next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and you take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.